this point, uh, you've, you've picked up on a few things. You know who wrote the book of Acts, right? Uh, you know that it was Luke. Uh, you know that it's the second volume of two, two books that he uh, wrote to Theophilus. And uh, it's, uh, it's important to know those things, to know that uh, when we think about Scripture, when we think about the events, we're so far removed in time that sometimes we can have a tendency to think of them as um, almost fictional or something that we, we um, just that we're so far removed from that we don't think of it in terms of these are real people that existed in real time and real events that took place and it's so important I appreciate Cheryl singing the song uh, what a beautiful name it is uh, because as we get into chapter 3 that's the focus of, of the chapter we're going to see the, the power in that name what a what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus it's just incredible um, and in fact names are important I don't know I hear a little bit of feedback you guys hear that as well I don't know it's just on me um, that sounds a little bit better thank you um, but names are important have you ever researched your own name like to look it up maybe googled yourself just to see what's out there and maybe learn even a little bit about your name uh, I won't bore you with my name but I'll, let's let's focus on Cheryl for a minute uh, I, <laughs> I was looking at it this week the name Cheryl uh, is a French variation of the English name Charlotte. And uh, in fact, it made me, here's what I thought was interesting about it, because it's a French French variation. Do you remember Pepe Le Pew, uh, the cartoon Looney Tune uh, skunk uh, that, uh, you know, he actually, in, in French, mentions the name Cheryl just about every episode. And uh, here's, here's how he would typically do it. He would say something like this, Oh, mon chéri, you know, right? Permit me to introduce myself. I am Pepe Le Pew. You are my peanut. I am your brittle. Right? He says stuff. It was just, just fun. Stuff like that all the time. Oh, mon chéri. Literally, it means, oh, my darling. So Cheryl, uh, the name Cheryl means, means darling. And uh, in fact, just, just for fun, uh, at Cheryl's expense, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Cheryl was almost named Charmin, it's, and, and, and here's why. Her dad actually liked the old commercials with Mr. Whipple. <laughs> yep. Now, if you're not old enough to remember Mr. Whipple, CJ's looking at me like, I don't know who this weird-looking dude is on the screen. If, uh, if you're not old enough to remember Mr. Whipple, go to YouTube, type in Mr. Whipple, and thank me later. Um, I think Cheryl's dad just thought it would be funny for Cheryl to go through life as Charmin and, and constantly saying, don't squeeze the Charmin. And, uh, well, uh, all seriousness, uh, you know, just when we think about it, we're going to see the power in a name, specifically the name of Jesus. Now, our names might have meaning and significance, and, and in our culture, we don't place near as much significance on it as they did during biblical times. Biblical times, the person's name uh, was descriptive oftentimes of their character uh, we're, we're, we'll see in chapter 4 that they changed the name of a man who was called Joseph they changed it and said you know we're going to call you Barnabas uh, because you're an encourager and you know so names were important names were extremely important and uh, today that's what we're going to look at is the name of Jesus so with, w without delay let's jump in key point number one 
Key point number one for us this morning is this. The way to help the masses is by helping individuals. The way to help the masses. You want to help a lot of people? Well, you start with one. You start with one. You, you, you help out the individual. And that's what we're going to see in Scripture. Let's turn there. Let's begin at verse 1. We'll read through 11. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So this is afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at him. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, at the same, now as the, the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Now let's pause there for a minute, because it's kind of interesting as we see this, this event as it unfolds. Um, in all my years of ministry, um, which, gosh, um, oh, yeah, well, this is uh, 20, 30 years. Uh, started in 93, so 2023, 20, 30 years of ministry, so three decades of doing this, uh, every, um, just about every time I sit down with another pastor, maybe we go to lunch, go to breakfast, uh, just about every single time, the other pastor will eventually get around to this question. He'll say, so how, how many are you running? How many are you running? Now, what does he mean by that? He, he wants to know, well, how, how big is your church? How many people are coming to your church? What's your, what's your average attendance? What are, you, how are you, what are you running? Now, don't get me wrong. Numbers are important. And numbers are important because those numbers often represent people. And if the numbers represent people, then because people are important, the numbers are important. So, yeah, I get it. I think it is important. However, there is a danger of people getting lost in the numbers game. And we can get lost in that. You know, when I think about this, and I've served in, I've served in small churches, I've served in large churches. Uh, you know, the largest church I served was about 1,600. The smallest church that I served, about you guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, the smallest church I served was back in 95. I pastored a real small church in my hometown. They needed a supply preacher to come in once a week. And, and uh, I was, uh, like I said, a just you know, young preacher wanting some experience. And uh, they were on the brink of closing their doors, and they just said, hey, we, we need somebody to come, and, and we'd love to preach. I think they paid me 
uh, maybe uh, $75 a week or something like that to come and preach, and I enjoyed doing it. I loved doing it, and uh, it was usually me and Cheryl, and Carson was two at the time, may, or maybe not even that old. It was one, one uh, maybe one, one and a half, and, uh, and usually one other family, and that was our chairman of the deacons, as well. <laughs> As, uh, and uh, that was it, you know, and we, we saw some growth there, but it wasn't about the numbers game, and that never has been for me. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's important uh, to focus on the individual. So when I meet with those other pastors, and I know that question's coming, and, and I, don't, I don't mind them asking it, but I typically don't ask that question in return. I do have a question for them, though. I do have a question for other pastors. In fact, um, I, I typically ask them about uh, a specific person. And here's what I mean by that. I recently met with a pastor in Concord. We met for lunch. And I asked him this question. I said, who was the most recent person to walk through the doors of your church that wasn't the guest of someone who already attends? They came because of some other reason. They weren't, you know, it wasn't a relative. It wasn't somebody who was invited by somebody else. They, what, they just showed up. Who was that person that just showed up at your church one Sunday? And who was that most recent that has done that? And what's their story? And, and he thought for a second. And it was like, yeah. And then he started telling me about this one person that showed up recently. And just, you know, they saw the church sign. And, you know, they, they had some things going on in their life, and God just seemed to be, you know, moving, and they just showed up one Sunday. Now, why is that interesting? I find that, I find that narrative, that story compelling, because it's focused, one, on the individual. It's the person. It's somebody who is showing up for a reason. In fact, as I, as I reflect upon that question, I want you to consider this. I know most of your stories, if not everyone's story here, when I began to think about it, some of the people who have even visited recently, um, I don't know if you ever got around to meeting some of them. Uh, there was a gentleman that came recently named Bruce. I asked Bruce, I said, how'd you hear about us? I caused you to show up. He looked online and he said, I saw some things online about growing universities and saw some of the teaching from this church. And he said, I wanted to come check it out. He said, I'm only here for you know, a couple of weeks, but I wanted to come and check those things out. That fascinates me. That's an individual story. Somebody just showed up because they found us online. There was a guy that showed up uh, a couple of weeks ago by the name of Matthew, just happened to see our yard sign. In fact, it's not just people that have come and gone. Those that have been here a long time, Mary and Peggy, they're, they're in Iowa. In fact, they're watching online. I saw her little note that said, tell everybody hello from Iowa. So they're, they're watching this morning. And you know what? Um, you know what their story is? Listen to this. This is so cool. Um, they were praying for a new church. They were praying for a church. They were, they're, they're, the church that they had been meeting in had been meeting at the Lowe's YMCA, and just one day, their church closed its doors. And they were grieving the loss of their church, and they were driving to Walmart, and they saw a yard sign that said, Grace Point Church, meeting at the Amstar Theater. And they said, let's give it a try. 
and that very first uh, pre-launch Sunday that, that uh, you know, we had these two ladies that were just looking for a new church and showed up. Matt did some online research, came up with, I think, a list of about four different churches. And then he went to his daughter and said, you pick it. <laughs> you, get, you pick. You decide. And, you know, his daughter looked through them and said, this one. She, she liked something about our, our website. Lynn and Jenny search for Purpose Driven. Elaine CJ show up to go working out at the YMCA, you know, and you're, you, you stuck around. Isn't the individual story more fascinating? Isn't the individual story, isn't that, read it, you know, if I had asked the pastor, if I said, so how many are you running? And he said, whatever, threw out a number. I would forget that. I would forget that number uh, uh, the next day. Why? Because it means nothing. It, it, it's just a number. It's nothing but an ambiguous number that, that I don't know what it means. Um, but if you tell me about a guy named, you know, you know, Lynn or Jenny and how they were doing a search online and they moved here from California and they were wanting a church that was purpose-driven and, and how they walked through, that's meaningful. That's meaningful. So I like those individual stories. Because it's how God reveals himself. He reveals himself in what he's doing, and it shows that God is at work in those lives. And I could go on about every single person in the room and, and about each, each story. But I want you to listen. Listen again to verses 3 through 5. And I want you to notice the intentional focus here. Listen again. Who's seeing Peter and John, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John Peter said look at us now think about that just for a moment Peter and John could have said it's 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 three it's our three o'clock prayer time we need to hurry we need to get there but they see this guy and they stop they didn't just throw something in a basket, throw some money in a basket and move on. They stopped. They looked at him in the eye. In fact, he may not have even been paying that much of attention to them. So they, he, they, Peter says to him, look at me. Make eye contact. Look at me. I got something to say to you. And he says, so he gave them his attention. This is the man that has been lame since he was born. Now he's, he's, now he's given them his undivided attention. And he's expecting, okay, they're going to give me something. They're going to they're give me something. But I want you to hear this. I am thankful that we have such things as online ministries. I am thankful for such things as radio ministries. But there is something about face-to-face -face that's important. There is something about what we see in this passage where Peter and John stop what they're doing and say, look at me. I want to see you eye to eye, face to face. I want, you, I want this encounter to be personal. I want it to be individual. I want it to be intentional. Why? Because ministry should see the individual. It should see the individual and know their story and, and, and care about them. And as a pastor, that's my heart's desire. That's why, that's why it's so important for me to not just be consumed with 
from week to week, oh, what are the numbers? And we've got to get the numbers up. We've got to get the numbers up. We've got to get the numbers up. And, and I know a lot of church planters that, 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 that the focus, and they see this, you know, uh, rapid growth. And there's times that, yeah, I'm looking at it, I'm going, yeah, it's a very, very slow process. But in the midst of that, there's something very meaningful that's taking place. Something rich that's meaningful and significant that's taking place here. And I'm, it, it's almost as if, God, we're just, we're just going to be faithful to you. We're not going to be consumed with playing a numbers game. We're just going to get together and focus on the individual because I recognize your word tells me that if we focus on the individual, then he will bless. There will be something else to come. Let me tell you something that Matthias, Matthew, shared with me. Came one Sunday. Said his name was Matthew, and then he told me later, he said, actually, my name is Matthias. And I had just preached about Matthias. And here's what he said to me. And we haven't seen him since, and sometimes I wonder, Matt, if we're not entertaining angels, right? Here's what he said to me. He said, I have a word for you. I have a word for you. And I said, yeah, yeah, what, what is that? And he said, do not grow weary in the smallness of the early days. Do not grow weary in the smallness of the early days. Haven't seen him since. I don't know if that was just a messenger from God just coming and saying, hey, look, listen, you, you stay focused on the individual. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. We're not going to grow weary doing the Lord's work. We're going to continue and we're going to do ministry as God intended. Look at verse 6. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Do you know what individual ministry is able to do? Individual ministry is able to discern a person's greatest need. If you're not, if you're not looking at the individual, <laughs> you really don't know what his need is. If you're not focused on the individual, if, if you're just thinking, I want, to, I want to do as many good deeds as I can, and I just want to donate some money so that the masses get fed. Well, that, that can be a good thing. That can be a necessary thing. But it, what, if, what if they have a greater need than just a handout? What if they have a greater need than just something that's silver and gold? What if they have a greater need? And Peter and John, because they were focused on the individual, they walked up and saw this individual, and they said, your greatest need is not for more silver and gold. Your greatest need is not alms. Your greatest need is not a handout to you. Your greatest need is that you need Christ. You need Christ. And what I can give you is a miracle that demonstrates that Jesus is the Christ and that, that can make a difference. You don't have that unless you do what? Focus on the individual. If you don't focus on the individual, you'll never see the individual's need. And then listen to this. Peter and John, they have this face-to-face -face ministry. It allowed them to help the man with his greatest need. Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Now, I find that fascinating. What did they do? They started walking together. 
they started walking together. What happens if our ministry is just focused on, on just the masses, then what would we tend to do? We throw something in the coffers, right? We throw something in his little bucket. We throw something, we give him something, and we move on. We've got to get to prayer meeting at 3 o'clock. We've got to get there, right? And, and, and we, we miss the individual opportunity. But what happens here, because it was an individual encounter, this guy not only gets up, he starts walking with them, leaping, praising God. They walked together. They went into the temple together. This man had no intent. He was sitting outside the beautiful gate of the temple. He had no intention of going inside. Because he knew that if he sat outside, he could get enough people to give him some donations, and then he could make it by. But now things have changed. Now he enters. That's individual ministry. They're going in together. They're hanging out together. So my question then for us is, how can we do that? How do we do that? How is it that we can accomplish this, this focus on individual ministry? Well, it, it begins by creating a culture where um, we don't think of ministry just strictly in the sense of what we're doing here in a, in a building. And as, as a church plan, that makes it a little bit easier because we don't have our own building. And, and because we can't become so inward focused that we lose sight of that. But here's some things that we can do. Several years ago, uh, Cheryl and I began to do this. And that was simply when we would go out to eat at a restaurant. Uh, the wait, waitress or waiter would come around. And the first thing that we would do is take note of their name. How many times have we been to a, wait, to a restaurant... They introduce themselves, and we've already forgotten their name before, the, before we finished with our order. We didn't pay attention. But what if we paid attention to that name? What if we addressed them by name every time they came back to the table? And, and every single time they came back and said, do you need anything? And, you, and even if you didn't, you just said, hey, no thank you, CJ, but thanks for asking. Thanks for coming by and checking on us, CJ. And you use their name. What if, what if when that waiter or waitress comes around, and they're bringing your food, and you just simply said, hey, Elaine, we're about to pray. Um, is there something we can pray for you about? It's a non-threatening thing, right, to just simply ask, do you have a prayer request? In fact, uh, over the years, Cheryl and I, when we do that, uh, I, I, I can think of maybe once or twice where someone said, no, I don't have anything. That, but there have been times, there have been times... <laughs> There was one time we were in Dothan, Alabama. We were at an IHOP in Dothan, Alabama. And we just asked the lady, we were out for breakfast, and asked if we could pray for her. She just about broke down in tears. And I was, honestly, I was expecting her to share her prayer request. We would, Cheryl and I would then pray for her. But she poured out her heart. And then she said, do you mind if I stay here and pray with you? That's individual ministry. Changes things. Wasn't dependent upon a church building. Wasn't dependent upon somebody else had to be there to help me do it. I just did it. We just did that. How about this? Waiters and waitresses, one idea. How about this? How about neighbors just taking some cookies over? Taking some cookies over and saying, hey, you know, for whatever reason, the Lord just laid you on my heart, and I was thinking of you this week and thinking about you guys and your family, and uh, we baked some cookies and wanted to give them to you. And just know we're thinking of you. If you have, ever have a need 
or prayer request, maybe that's an opportunity for you to say, hey, if you, if you have anything I could pray for you about, just want you to know, thinking of you. Maybe it's something you could do with a neighbor. How about a coworker? You know, we know our coworkers well. We've worked with them. We're there all day long, and sometimes we can hear a coworker and some of the difficulties that we're going through. And how about just saying, you know what? I know you're going through a hard time right now with whatever it might be. You know, I just want you to know that, that, that I'm praying for you. Individual ministry isn't about inviting someone to an event at the church. It's about living out the gospel in such a tangible way for the people that you encounter. And that's something that we see Peter and John doing right here in the book of Acts chapter 3.